and Hulk, Hulk smash. smash. Hulk smash. A superpowered adrenaline blast, according to Pete Hammond of Hollywood.com. Hollywood.com. That's the number one place for Hollywood, as far as I'm concerned. Hollywood and Hollywood stars alike. Yep. Uh, today, uh, well, first of all, this is the Macaw Podcast Universe, and this is our second episode. And we take on series, whether it be universes, franchises, franchises, sequels, whatever that may be. And uh, I think, I mean, the rule of thumb I'm following is it's got to have three. Yeah, in that's it. good. But our, but we're on our first one, which is Marvel Phase One. And we're the reason we're doing this is analyzing a franchise because that's fun to us, seeing if a movie fits in the series. If it should be removed and forgotten from a series, mm-hmm. if it should be redone, yeah, all of those things. And for the record, it sound it seems like when you watch this movie and the the following Marvel movies that they have Marvel itself has just kind of pretended like this movie doesn't exist. That's okay. You know what? I mean? Yeah. Uh, but today it's The Incredible Hulk, uh, starring Edward Norton, Liv Tyler, William Hurt. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. And this is not to be confused with, I believe it's pronounced Ong Lee's film from 2003, I with, believe. Um, with Eric Bana. Yeah. Which is a very strange movie. Have you seen that one? Mm-mm. So that's a strange one. I've only seen it once. Wait, when did that one come out? I believe it was 2000, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll double check that, though. Uh, but that movie is a movie that fans really didn't like. Yeah, 2003. But, but critics liked and, oh, and stuff. Okay. Um, because at least according to Roger Ebert, there was a lot more interesting stuff going on with the characters. Oh, okay. And it was a little more concerned with like the father, daughter, and then father to son dynamics in the movie than it was smashing things. They should have just put these two movies together and it would have been a little bit better. A little bit better. There you go. Uh, we're, we're lounging on the couch, so sorry, Anthony, if some of these shots of the dialogue are a little shoddy hmm. uh, okay so we got this movie it's the second in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and th- this is the one that I feel like whenever it's brought up m- most of the time even most people are like oh yeah I don't know if I've seen that one or they just don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and uh, I had never seen it until today okay first time so- I saw it in theaters, and I loved it, but prior to this, I was thinking of when we were going to rewatch it, I was like, there's no way I'm going to like this movie. Yeah. I, You know, just because sometimes you can tell when yeah. you look back. But then the first act of this movie, I was like, is this a really good movie? Because yeah. I, I liked how he was introduced. I liked... What, we'll get into specifics a little bit later, but uh, it was, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll really like this. And then the second act started. Yeah. And it, it just slowly started to go downhill. My expectations were pretty low from the beginning. For little thing about Jordan, uh, her expectations are always really low for any and every Marvel movie, with the exception, exception of Guardians of the Galaxy, that mm-hmm. they can do no wrong. But, well, they um, might now, now that they don't have James Gunn. Yeah, they'll they turned see. him into a villain. But uh, expectations are always super low. Superheroes mm-hmm. are not really my thing. Didn't grow up reading comic books unless you... Uh, it was Garfield, Peanuts, Marmaduke, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. That was my comics growing mm-hmm. up. So, that, so going into this one expectations were even lower than usual because it was so early on in the universe okay so i was thinking um i'll i'll go over the the people a little bit who were involved first Uh this how do you are you fine with that yeah yeah that's fine okay so the movie was written by zach penn yeah um little so his history is um First sold his script, I think he was 23 years old, Last Action Hero. So he he wrote Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. It's a good movie. So right from the gate, this guy writes a superhero movie about someone who's, you know, not 
doesn't well, have comic action movie. Okay, an action movie. Whatever. You know what I mean though. Yeah, yeah. Um and was that mo- that movie wasn't super successful, right? No, it's it's a movie that I my dad and I hold to this. It it was completely misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Because the the plot of the movie if you don't know is a kid gets sucked up into a literal movie uh, an action movie. Like he watches this action hero guy and it's it's very um meta and and it's kind of making like Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of making fun of himself and um it's really a good hilarious movie. I mean it has some issues but I think it's it was For just completely part. misunderstood and I think people are coming around to it now. I think it's sort of becoming a bit of a cult classic. Not yet. Okay. But I think give it another 5 years and maybe maybe. Mhm. Okay, so then the other notable movies that he's done. I didn't put the dates on these, so this is going to be out of order. Um, he did X-Men 2, and this is writing. Wrote X-Men 2, Behind Enemy Lines, Inspector Gadget. Whoa. Uh, da The Avengers, the first Avengers. He wrote the first Avengers? Yeah. Or he's, you know, credited screenplay by. Okay. And then Ready Player One. Okay. Yes, I knew that one. That, that was where I recognized the name from. So, parent, a very accomplished action movie writer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we have the director. Uh, he's French, so I'm going to pronounce this like I think it might be pronounced. Louis Lettier. Um He is the transporter one and two man. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know anything about this big guy. Big Jason Statham, Statham man, probably. Who He's, wouldn't... He, oh, yeah. They call him the Statham man. Yeah. Um, already would have been a better Hulk choice than Edward Norton. Um, <laughs> He's but... not He's not weak enough. <laughs> I don't care. You need some weakness. He would have been better. Um, and then you have... He did Clash of the Titans, Now oof. You See Me, oof. The Brothers Grimsby. Oh, with, oof. Um, with Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes, and whoever the other guy is. Mark Strong? Whoever, if that's him. Um, yeah, so... If I got that right, I'm so impressed with myself. So this there's another person who has a lot of action movies under his belt. Um, also, oh, I, I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> also superhero stuff under his belt. Um, and Did he, Has he done any other superheroes? I, he, I think he had... An, um, Oh, actually, maybe not. Sorry. Okay. Um, but anyway, so but he's he's like been dealt. He's dealt in movies that involve action and a lot of special effects. Okay. Uh, did you have, did you see Clash of Titans? No, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Was that a Percy Jackson movie? No. Oh, no, okay. it's because that Percy Jackson is the young adult thing. Yeah. The, no, this is just about the the Titans of them and this was um <laughs> sam worthington's follow-up to avatar oh yeah. i remember seeing it and being not very good. disappointed not good um okay but the the face of the film edward norton a uh, big fan of him i'll just say that now mm-hmm. not a good choice for the hulk my opinion um yeah I, but i'm a huge fan of edward norton he's great yeah edward norton's great i think let's let's dive into this a little bit before before you jump into his career I I was thinking as it was going that I think what because if we compare the two Hulks in the same universe because if you haven't seen these movies if you're watching them along with us for the first time Edward Norton is not in any more of these and Mark Ruffalo replaces him and um, I think that uh, there's something about Ruffalo he can play it he seems like a weaker and mm-hmm. more damaged person. Mm-hmm. And I know in this movie, you could argue that this is where he's getting the damage. But I never really felt like Norton really didn't want to be the Hulk or anything. And with Ruffalo in those movies, he really doesn't. He wants to get rid of the Hulk. Yeah. He doesn't want to be the Hulk. Yeah, I think that Edward Norton works really well with subtle acting. Clo- mm-hmm. Like close-up shots of him acting. But this is an action movie more than anything. Yeah. Um. And he just couldn't look more out of place to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even literally in the beginning of the movie, being someone who's living in Brazil, he couldn't look more like a tourist. He couldn't stick out more <laughs> yeah. like a sore thumb than he did. Yeah. And not just because he was an American in Brazil, but he 
he was just he just wasn't convincing me that he was really trying to be elusive right like ever right um but as other other things like one of his his really first notable thing that he did was primal fear did you ever see that movie i've never seen that movie that movie's freaking awesome okay he i mean i don't want to say too much because you should uh-huh. watch it listeners should watch it his acting is so good in that movie yeah and he's really young so he's uh-huh. playing like a kid. I mean, he's not a kid. He's like 20 something. But, you know, he's like a kid playing a very naive character. Okay. But is he? Question mark. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and then you have American History X. Oh, 1998. he's great in that movie. I've never seen that. I've always wanted to see that. And then Fight Club the year after that. Okay. Um, Red Dragon, 2002. I remember him being really good in that movie. That's a, oh, we could do the Hannibal series at yeah. some point. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, it's a Hannibal movie. Great, great movie. I love that movie. Is that the second one or the third one? I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen all of them. Okay. But that you you got uh, Ray Fiennes. You got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip C is in there. He's the guy who in the he's burning in that chair. I've never seen it. He doesn't burn in a chair. I'll go. <laughs> I've on. I've only seen Silence of the Lambs. Um, then he's in the Italian Job, which I don't remember. Uh-huh. And then The Illusionist is the last big oh, you thing you don't remember that... him in The Italian Job? No, I don't. Oh, because he's like, he's the bad guy in the movie. He's the guy oh. that they try to break into his house and they're going to... Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the guy they're stealing the money from. Okay. Because at the him. beginning of the movie, he turns on Donald Sutherland, shoots him in the ice. You know, that was at a time when you gave me about 30 movies to watch. Yeah, that's true. So but... I don't remember a lot of those movies. Okay, um, whatever. So then, The Illusionist, two thousand six, was the last big thing that he did before, um, before before uh, Hulk. No, I remember. Um, Hulk. And then let me look something up really quick because I feel like, yeah, The Illusionist came out the same year as The Prestige, and I remember. I mean, I was only in like we were only in like sixth or seventh grade, but it mm-hmm. was like you either see The Illusionist or The Prestige. Which one's better? And I never saw The Illusionist, but I remember people really liking it. I've never seen The Illusionist. Yeah. I, I didn't see either. Oh, you didn't? No. I mean, it took me a while before I saw The Prestige. I saw The Prestige after I had seen Inception. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw it you know, that. You know, me and Micah Ratcliffe, we went through and watched all of Christopher Nolan's movies. He was the first director I saw all his movies. I think me too. Yeah, because I was like, this is so special. Oh, we're holding hands now. Um, yeah, so- You want to talk producers? I don't have much on producers because it's really just the same people from last time. Well, we have Gail and Hurd on this one. Okay. So we, we have A.V. Arid who also did Iron Man, and we have Kevin Feige, of course, and then Kale and Hurd. So that's all I have there until I get into some of the notes. Yeah. Um, just to finish this up really quick, and then you have Liv Tyler, who is the love interest. Oh, yeah, sorry. Who I her. realize, Micah helps me realize... Maybe isn't very good at acting. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think she's great. She does a. She whisper talks all the time, and uh, I think she's great as Arwen. She's really Lord good at remembering Rings. people's names in her movies. Okay, go further with this. Well, I mean, joke. just Bruce like all the time, and then Aragorn like all the time. <laughs> okay. Um, and then so she she was in. I think her first big break, I've never seen this movie, but I've been seeing a lot of things about it. Recently, Empire Records, 1995. Um, that Thing You Do, Armageddon. Oh, yeah, she's in That Thing You Do. Yeah. She's pretty good in that. Yeah, she Maybe is. Maybe she is a good actress. Um, she's in Armageddon, which oh, I've- try not to move that around, because you can hear it on the mic. Okay. Yeah. Armageddon, and then The Strangers. Oh, no, Lord of the Rings, then The Strangers. And The Strangers is a really cool thriller yeah really good thriller. i know that's the yeah um and then you have tim roth who is a really great actor mm-hmm. i think he does do well in this movie but i think that the movie was not directed well so Whoa, I, I think performance and hot opinion I, I think that the his performance wasn't as great as it could have been or was just not showcased very well okay and then the last big person in the movie is william hurt who you may know from Dark City. Uh, he was in a Dune miniseries in 2000. There was a miniseries? Yeah. And then he was in Artificial Intelligence, The Village, A History of He's Violence. He's great in The Village. Yes. We talked about that. You and me. Privately off mic. Privately off um, mic. And then A History of Violence with Viggo Morrison and Into the Wild was the last thing that he did before. 
before this. This, this movie. Okay. Um, so then I want to cover quickly. The music was done by Craig Armstrong. And do you, do you remember the music in this movie? Neither did I. Yeah. It was unmemorable and uninteresting. Uh, this movie, There was one cool part. Okay. That part where I said the organs were cool here. Yeah, like it, it when sounded, he changed into yeah the that Hulk. scene when they're at the college and he breaks over breaks through the bridge and there's these organs playing and there's lightning shooting behind him and mm-hmm. it it looks like a horror movie yeah and it was very very well done. Um, this was released June thirteenth, two thousand eight. So this is the next month after Iron Man came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so they regained, I believe, Marvel regained the rights to Hulk in 2006. Uh, They hired Norton in April 2007, and they filmed from July to November in 2007. Uh, You want to take a stab at what the budget of the movie was? That's a different podcast. Oh, you're right. Uh, It's $150 million. Okay. Uh, The box office was 263-427-551. So, oh, man, we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are drinking LaCroix and it's making us burp. Uh, yeah, so the box office, that's not super great. Mm-hmm. Uh, $263 million with a $150 million budget. I mean, it's still successful, but it's not, uh, it's just not super good. They Especially compared a lot more. to Iron Man, which had come out a month before. And I think that grossed like six or. Do you think that it was, it should have been released later? Than a month? Don't you? Was Iron Man? You think still in theaters? Oh, I'm sure it was still in theaters. That's kind of weird. Oh wait, but it's not. It's different studios. No, no, no. Well, uh, I mean, did I hope I put it in? But maybe I didn't. So if it wasn't in a way that then they were competitors. Well, yeah, I guess the other one was not Universal, but but it was still Marvel Studios, you know. So yeah, they were both Marvel Studios. Um. So the screenwriter from Ang Lee's Hulk movie uh, wanted to make a sequel, but uh, there were these timelines that weren't met. So Avi Arad, the producer, mm-hmm. uh, confirmed Marvel Studios would make The Incredible Hulk on January 18th, 2006, and that Universal would distribute. Marvel wanted to stray from Ang Lee's Hulk because of how fans didn't like it. Um even though Norton does does not have a writing credit, uh, he did do a pass on the script and changed a lot of stuff. Which is something he's known to do on most of the mo- movies he works on. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, initially, that uh, that third producer we were talking about, Gail and Hurd, uh, said that it was uh, going to be a kind of sequel reboot-ish. Um, 70 minutes of the movie, mostly dealing with the origin, were cut out. Oh, uh, I, I I that's kind of a weird thing to say because I can't imagine that they originally planned the movie to be three hours and ten minutes long. So I don't know why it says seventy minutes cut out. Maybe it, it was, was like seventy like, pages and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a weird. No, I'm not totally sure. Um, but Norton and Le Terrier. Uh, had a dispute with the producers over the final running time. They wanted it to be 135 minutes, while the producers wanted it to be under two hours. Uh, This was made public, and rumors spread that Norton, quote, made it clear he won't cooperate with publicity plans if he's not happy with the final product. Norton dismissed this, quote, our healthy process of collaboration, which is and should be a private manner, was misrepresented publicly as a dispute seized on by people looking for a good story, and has been distorted to such a degree that it risks distracting from this film itself, which Marvel, Universal, and I refuse to let happen. It it has always been my firm conviction that films should speak for themselves and that knowing too much about how they were made diminishes the magic of watching them. So he would hate this podcast. Yeah. Uh not much magic in the movie though. But yeah, I don't I don't know if you know this, but there there was a lot of um after this movie came out and when Mark Ruffalo was cast, there there's a lot of like the real reason Norton left oh. the Hulk, you know, and there's a lot of that stuff, and um, it, it yeah, there's there, I just couldn't find anything concrete, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to just talk about rumors, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so a lot of this movie was kind of their idea of a course correction for where 
Ang Lee's Hulk went, quote, wrong. Okay. Um, and then there were plans for a sequel with the director and Norton, but they were scrapped. And Norton was, he was initially interested, but stated he wanted to be more diverse in his career. Okay. So that's what he claims. I don't know what the truth is on why he didn't come back for a next one. It could have been. He didn't want to be a franchise guy. Or it could have been he didn't get enough money or. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it sounds like there was a, there was some problems with the studios, uh, according to him. Yeah. uh, You know, who's to say what the truth in the matter is. Mm-hmm. And that covers all the production notes that I have. Mm-hmm. And it looks like we're ready to talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. So this is, as as we have said, with, the, with this franchise, because of how odd it is, there are series within series. So technically, this is the first movie. Yeah. And it's one of n- no other movies. Um, but this is but it is the second in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So as far as how that fits in with the MCU, what do you think? In terms of how it fits in with this, just the franchise? like, Or should we talk about that after we've talked about the movie? Let's talk about it after. Okay, okay. I'm jumping the gun. I'm too excited so to I'll, talk I'm gonna about So I'm going to try that. to not be too nitpicky uh-huh. about things because when yeah. I, I tend, when I'm watching a movie and I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I decided that I don't like it. It's really mm-hmm. hard for me to not just pick everything apart. And I feel like pretty early on, I was like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I'm going to try not to be too nitpicky. So, you know, the opening opening credits uh, is coinciding with showing you how he became Hulk. Yes. Um, which I thought was it was a good way to show exposition. I actually am not a fan of visually how it was done no it was just too like oversaturated and still really confusing yeah i well i think the the problem with it now a lot of the problems with the movie that i see is it is operating off of the fact that another hulk movie came out five years earlier yeah it truly is so when you see that opening sequence they're just saying like okay you already know this let's just get it out of the way Mm -hmm. so that we can start the story um, whereas if they made it even five years later, they probably would have done a whole origin Whatever they of wanted. the movie. Yeah. And that could be that quote 70 minutes that was cut from the movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, I think it makes sense, but it doesn't age well because now we, we don't see the movies that close together. Right. So. Or at all. Like I've n- never seen the other one. Yeah. I've never seen, you know, and, and I, I didn't know specifically how he became the Hulk. So I'm seeing that and I'm like, okay, it's clear that he did it to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, an experiment gone wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's at the same time, it's like, I still need more information. Like <laughs> yeah. why, why was he testing something on himself? All the, and this is, you know, coming from someone who's never re- read the comics either. Yeah. So that's where I got pretty confused. Well, what I, what I didn't like is I did. I agree with all the things you said. And I think it doesn't age, but also, so it does his little origin, and then that's when I feel like it should stop, and then the movie starts. Mm-hmm. But then, remember, it goes to him looking at, um, I almost said Arwen, to Liv Tyler in the bed uh, at the hospital, and then the dad, like, kicks him out. Yeah. And then he leaves, and then he runs away, and, you're, and, and the music even changed, so you're like, man, there's, like, two acts in this opening one minute montage like this yeah. is this is annoying like get this out of here just start i just wanted him to start the movie with him in brazil yeah i think that would be more interesting and then just kind of pick it up from just explaining things kind of from there like because tim mm-hmm. roth was i mean yeah he was the ended up being the main bad guy or yeah. villain however he was in the beginning used as a vehicle for exposition because william hurt's character who was the general was explaining a lot to him of why he was this way because mm-hmm. Tim Roth was like it was green and it was big we gotta find Bruce so that he can tell us where it is yeah and it's like that's kind of like where the viewer's at in a way and William Hurt's like okay well that's him uh-huh. that's where you could explain it a little bit better or yeah. more than, yeah, yeah. than just and just cut out that first part mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I agree um, but I, I will oh yeah the one th- another thing this this trope, I hope it's over. I think it's over, but I don't know. Is when these movies, um, 
they like <laughs> all all any of these movies where they have a font come up on the screen and it does that weird typing noise yeah and yeah yeah and i've never heard that in real life so where did that come from and why is it happening yeah i i, can't, I don't have the answer to that question and they did it but they only did it one time in the movie so really? it's kind of weird they did it at the beginning that. or no they did it at the no incidents thing so they did it like three times in the okay movie. okay but there were other slides where they didn't use it yeah so what was with that um so there's a point where bruce banner goes to um a like a karate guy or something like that and he's learning how to breathe to keep his anger down uh-huh i think that was very cool yeah that's, that was interesting that's when i was thinking maybe i'm wrong about this movie and it is really good yeah uh, it was interesting i do think that um i just thought thought it was so hilarious just how much he did not he just looked so weird in brazil Mm-hmm. just the edward norton bruce banner whatever it's just like i i was not convinced that he was hiding here it looked like he was on vacation to me yeah and he was just being a tourist that's that's what it looked like to me yeah i guess you're right i didn't notice that so but you know you're kind of more of a fashion person anyway it's not the clothes they chose it has nothing to do with well, that i think it has a lot to do with like the clothes they chose yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but yeah, so it all that being said, so the first um, time you see him turn into the Hulk, I thought that was great. Yeah, kind of in the shadows. Didn't when really they, show him too much. Him. Yeah, it was like Which a horror movie. was caused by a Stanley cameo, we must say. Yes. So he cuts his finger at a bottling plant, Bruce Banner, and his blood goes down, lands in a cup of soda, a bottle of soda, and an old man gets it in the United States, and he takes a swig, and he goes, oh, boy, or something like that. And then that's the Stanley cameo. And then and he gets sick. He gets because sick. Because it's radiation. And then General Ross, who is the... William kind, Hurt. William Hurt. He, now they know where he's at, which yes. is a little confusing, but we, we can take that leap Throw of him logic. that bone. Yeah, we'll throw him that bone. But that's the only one we have. Yeah, yeah. Now we're out of bones. But yeah, so they they find him. They find they chase him into the bottling plant. The chase scene was very cool. Yeah, remember there was that guy who was chasing uh, Bruce Banner, and he just fell off a building. And the way they shot it, it was genuinely kind of shocking. We gasped. We, you slapped me in the chest, and you went. <gasps> yeah. And the popcorn went flying. Yep. It's still uh, everywhere. Yes. And and you could tell, I got to double check this, but this is a very post-Born Ultimatum movie. Uh, which, have you seen the Born Ultimatum? Very long time ago. I think on our high school class trip. Oh, oh we only watched uh, The Identity, but... We never watched the other ones? No, no. But no. Well... The the Born Ultimatum came out the year before, so I would imagine they were probably more uh, inspired by the previous two movies because they would have already shot the stuff. But in in Ultimatum and I think in Supremacy, there's like some rooftop chase scenes. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching that, I just thought, oh yeah, this is they they watched that movie and were like, oh we have to do the Born Ultimatum or the Born thing. And a lot of movies have do, done that since then. Yeah, well, whenever we do the Born series, we'll have to talk about how that has like ch- basically changed action cinema, and it's taken until the last I don't know probably two years to where action movies are starting to have longer cuts. Yeah. Well, maybe three or four years. Yeah. Because you have your Mission Impossible's and your John Wicks that are bringing back actually good action. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but We're going to scream today. about that. Yeah, we are going to scream. Um, ice yes. cream, you scream. We all scream for ice cream. So, um, yeah, so the they don't catch Bruce. He gets out. Mm-hmm. Run, he runs to Guatemala because he wakes up as Bruce. Um, and he, let's just say, so to the listener, Bruce, uh, Brazil is in South America. Guatemala is in Central America. He yeah, ran Hulk, far. Hulk can run far. Yeah. 
He can run thousands of miles. And then from Guatemala, he ended up in Virginia. Don't really remember how he, we got he there. He hitched a couple rides and walked. Yeah. That so, was the montage. Maybe, and that was Bruce. Hulk, Hulk went from Brazil to Guatemala. Bruce went from Guatemala to Virginia. Yes. Yes. And he... Um, I mean, what was his... Oh, yeah. Because the important thing is when he was in Brazil, he was talking to someone on the computer who was trying to help him control the the thing inside of that turns him into the Hulk and like eradicate it. So yeah. he's like, I'm going to go find this person and we're going to finish it together so that I don't have to be this monster anymore. Right. And Which, that, I, I, oh, well, I should say that the one thing that this movie, the, the story is super interesting because it is about him not wanting and not willing to face what he's become. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's not about this person's doing something bad and I have to stop them. He's trying to stop himself. Yeah. And that's interesting. And then you have Tim Roth, um, who is like in charge of taking him down. And he's like, inject me with everything you have that makes me a superhuman. He wants what Bruce has. Yeah. And that, that so it's this cool contrast. It's just done in this, like, such a boring way, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I, I think we talked about this when it ended. It The arc of Bruce Banner is interesting and I think works. Mm-hmm. Where he does not want to be Hulk. And then by the end of the movie, he comes to grip with he has to be Hulk. Yeah. But he's not happy about it. Although he smirks at the camera at the end of the movie when he becomes Hulk again. Which I thought was very stupid. Because he's a bad boy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I... I like that arc. I think that's an interesting, good, well-written arc. But um, I just think the... I figured it was fine. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, you know, th- we're a new podcast. And with a new podcast, you got to give us a couple of breaks. I'm talking Kit Kats. Uh, we... Something happened, and we lost about seven minutes. So we're going to jump back in. And we're going to try and cover those seven minutes. But if there's a weird, weird break in the dialogue here, it's because the computer crashed. So we're back. We're back. I was, I look back, we, we, we were, I was talking about Bruce Banner's arc and how I like it, but I wish that, uh, there was less of General Ross and less of that whole idea and more of, um, abomination tim ross character and and maybe an allegory for his drug use mm-hmm. uh which he he isn't really using he, he's trying to get to become the best super serum soldier person so it would be cool if maybe they they made that more of a drug addict type of scenario yeah um so i think that wraps up that idea yeah uh we'll see when we listen back and are maybe confused but an odd thing that uh, I we notice is there's an actor in the movie called his his. <laughs> so his name is Martin Starr. He is a be- best known for being in Silicon Valley. Yeah, do you remember his name in that Gilfoyle. show? Gilfoyle. 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 Hilarious. And so, also in Super Bad. I don't know. I'm gonna verify while you talk. Okay, so he here's the thing. He is in. Incredible Hulk, and he is in it for one scene, and in that one scene, he doesn't have any dialogue, and no one refers to him by a name, okay? But uh, he is also in Spider-Man Homecoming as one of the teachers for um, Peter Parker. So I looked it up, and I thought, oh, that'd be funny if he graduated from Culver University uh, on the computer when he was with Bruce Freaks Banner. Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks, okay. Yeah. But it'd be funny if, you know, he graduated from Culver University and became a teacher at, in New York and taught um, Peter Parker. But according to the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, he portrayed Amadeus Cho in The Incredible Hulk, and then he portrayed Roger Harrington in Spider-Man Homecoming, which is so stupid. It should just be the same character because well, con- there's no reason for it not to be. Why do they specify his name in the Hulk when we looked it up on IMDb and it just said student? That's what that's what I don't understand. 
I wish I wish I did understand. Big missed opportunity. Yeah. And it's not like he's going to be... I mean, I guess maybe he forgot he was in the movie. Because it, it, it could easily be overlooked, but it's strange. Yeah. It's very strange to me. Yeah. I He doesn't... He doesn't seem like the guy who would, well, and, and as this, if I know who that is. May, maybe this furthers my point that the movie is, I mean, it kind of is just a forgotten movie from the, from the whole universe. Like, they don't really acknowledge the existence. They don't really reference the events that much. Really, the only thing that ties it together is the super serum and then Tony Stark's appearance at the end of the movie. Because General Ross doesn't come in ever again. No. So... Um. Yeah. I think I think uh yeah the love the love story didn't work. Uh, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it that he comes back and there's no baggage and it's okay. Yeah, one thing I was just thinking about was I I wonder if me and people like me who have never read Marvel comics are at a disadvantage mm-hmm. on some of these little things to be like oh well if you. You know, in the comics, that's like really dived in more or something right. about the relationship. And yeah, I think that um, there probably is a lot of subtext and things that are referenced that we're missing. But a movie has to function on its own without the source material, I think. Yeah. And if you're focusing so much, if you're, I guess, catering so much to the people who know all the lore of it you're alienating a lot of people who are new to this. Yeah. And they just can't relate at that point. And I think there is something... So, uh, for example, uh, in do you remember in The Fellowship, there's that scene where they're trying to go through the, the mountains? Before going to the Mines of Moria? Yeah, and, and you see Legolas, and everyone else is struggling yeah. through the snow, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's walking on it. So as a... As a viewer of the movie, I just didn't really think much of that. But after I read the book and found out that elves can walk on snow, yeah, I was like, oh, that's a nice little nod, but it doesn't add or detract from my viewing of the movie, whether I've read the book or not. Well, I yeah. mean, I think it adds something if you have read the book, but, yeah, if, but if I remember, you haven't, you don't lose anything. I remember watching that before I read the book, and I was just like, okay. Yeah. It didn't. It wasn't like. Yeah. Why can he do it? Because I think at that point in the movie they've already established enough that elves can do a lot of things other people can't. Yeah, totally. And so. But this isn't Lord of the Rings. This is the Incredible Hulk. So what you get from the Incredible Hulk at the last part of the movie is a very intense fight scene between mm. two monsters that <laughs> is maybe the most boring part of the movie. As well as it, I think it's just, I don't know. It's like, okay, so all superhero movies have to do this. The showdown scene. Yeah, so far of these two movies that we've watched in this rewatch in this series, the weakest part of the movie is the the third act fight. Um, I just, it's, and I think part of it is, that there's two ways to look at it. So first off, there is like if you go time and place, we hadn't seen as many superhero movies, so it was much more exciting, I think. Yeah. But when you look at it now, it's just kind of boring, and and the the effects are so dated that you're just seeing this. We because what Tim Roth turns into is it's an abomination. It, it is abomination. I mean, that's his character name, but it's it's also just it's not even cool. It's it's just ugly. Like, it's just this ugly gray blob. Orc-like thing. His body grows really big, but his head stays the same size. <laughs> yeah. It's like his brain couldn't evolve with his body. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so you have this big fight. And there's a couple of parts of the fight that I think work and are interesting. Uh-huh. But it's um, just so long. Like, when he rips the car apart and he's smashing him with each side. And the, the car yeah, that yeah, he's yeah. smashing with him, him with is, like falling apart but um overall you're just watching it and you're kind of like okay i guess the movie's almost over because this is it can't get bigger than this and um i don't really know how to fix that problem but i think about like uh like 2014's godzilla Mm -hmm. and that's a monster movie and i think a lot of people would argue against me on this because there's a lot of people that don't like this about the movie 
but they they focused on the characters more. Yeah. And there was some big fight scenes, but in my opinion, for the most part, that last battle scene where Godzilla's fighting the Mothra, I think, every time it showed Godzilla, it was for a purpose. Yeah. So it wasn't just showing him break stuff because we've seen it before. It's not interesting. Yeah, and that's something that Garth Edwards uh yeah uh yeah he i think he does really well in his films yeah it's just, just being very sparse with very the, selective with yeah what he, yeah what is that some, his name that sounds wrong but it's Gar- isn't it garth gareth gareth Edwards. gareth, and garth. gareth. <laughs> um what was i gonna say oh yeah and i i think some people would argue about just superhero movies in general is like well that's a, a superhero movie mm-hmm. they just have big fight scenes that's what it comes down to and I mean, that's that's probably something that I just—it's just something I'm just generally not really into. I'm, I'm more into yeah. the character development and the story. I mean, I'm not—I'm not against an action scene. That's not what I'm saying. No, no. But when it's this long and this intense, and they're just like obviously, you, you could just watch that scene. And you're like, how, how did hundreds of civilians not die? Yeah, they're being thrown through buildings. Cars are being thrown around with people inside them. Yeah, and then. And then just all of the the building and car just damage to Harlem. That's where they were, right? Yeah, right. It's just like, oh, I mean, it's just like it's. I don't even know what to say about it. Well, it's and, insane. And it, this is a Hulk movie, so I understand that there is Hulk has to break things. He has to break things. You ha- he has to Hulk smash. He's got to do the Sonic clap. You know, like it is Hulk. Which but, confused me a lot. Yeah, he does a sonic clap, and I made fun of Jordan for not knowing what that was. But it's not very obvious if you are not familiar with the source material. Yeah, he just put a fire up by clapping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, knowing that it's a sonic clap, it's like, oh, okay, that's totally fine. Cool. But prior to knowing that, yeah, There's I was just not like, really a reason for it? Sure, I guess he can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, my my argument for anyone who's like but it's hulk he's got a smash is again i would say look at that godzilla movie where there's tons of smash there's tons of carnage but it it serves a purpose so i find it more interesting yeah so this this third act i just think is pretty boring yeah and it falls apart and then uh, another thing to say about superhero like fight scenes is again there are ways to do it we've even seen in the marvel universe as you look forward within their own universe there are th- movies that they have done where the action scenes are just awesome yeah and then there are movies where like for example i think black panther is a really cool one of their better movies but for the most part the action isn't that interesting yeah but the story is so good that i don't really care that well i mean most of the action's good but the last sequence where they're fighting yeah um is kind of like okay uh, this is a little bit boring. I think what they do well with their action stuff is that's like a war movie. Yeah. Um. So, I, I like. Yeah. What something I was thinking of was, um, with this Hulk movie, it's like everywhere that he turned to the Hulk and he fought them. And I under part. I understand part of it was he was basically trapped wherever mm-hmm. he was at, and he turned into this thing. Yeah. I get that, but it it's like, I feel like I I wish that the settings were different. So that it wasn't at the school or in downtown Harlem. Like, I wish it was a little bit more remote. Because I think it would be more interesting because it would be about the action. It wouldn't be about this bridge being blown apart mm-hmm. by him. That might be something that's just totally irrelevant to the conversation. It doesn't matter. But just visually speaking, it's just there was so much to look at. So much going on. It's like, I kind of want to just see Hulk and like a these sparse tanks. area. Well, that's that's why I kind of liked the first scene at the university because it was just an open. It was an field. open field, yeah. And and it showcased like what Hulk could do. Um, but I it wasn't. It was too long. It was too long. But one thing they did really well that were interesting that you were pretty confused about for a second was I mean before the scene there's lightning and you see this thunderstorm approaching that was pretty cool visually just mm-hmm. to see this lightning off in the distance it makes him look like a monster yeah um he actually reminds me of like the werewolf yeah a werewolf character or story um and then I like kind of like at the end of the scene when something ca- catches on fire like immediately it starts raining like pretty conveniently yeah. you were like oh, it's raining. But it's like, but they established that there was a thunderstorm coming. Yeah. I'm not saying that the rain looked good because it was 
it was like oh it was cool the, it was noon and now it's 6 p.m that's yeah, what it they, like. they did the classic uh the next couple scenes were the classic hollywood rain where it's it, you can tell that they're shooting outside in the daytime and they have a rain machine yeah yeah which i don't i, I don't mind i just what it's i liked funny. about that was it was all in a way visually pleasing yeah to, okay. to the overcast sky and everything mm-hmm. i liked that yeah um oh yeah but back to my other point so uh there there are ways to do action sequences because i think of again within their own universe i'm just going to stick in there to prove my point uh winter soldier if i don't know if you remember that one which is a phase two movie uh that's is that with robert redford Yes. That one's cool. That one has crazy action sequences. Yes, yeah, someone gets thrown into the turbine of a plane. <laughs> I'll say it every but, time. But they do they they do like that elevator sequence where he's fighting all those guys and the yeah. the action in that movie is like really really interesting. Yeah. And so there are ways to do it. You just have to think outside the box. Yeah. So um I I think that But um, I think this movie's a victim of being a first movie mm-hmm. and a movie where they're, they they probably were like, okay, in 2003, Hulk came out and he looked okay, but now we can make him look realistic. Yeah. And so they're like, let's do that. But And what, what I think is, uh, similarly to Iron Man, I do like that this story was very self-contained. Yes, but it didn't I'll, seem like it because there so many people were involved. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Iron Man, like, I mean, a lot of people were involved, but it really came down to him and Jeff Bridges. Yeah. That's what it came down to. This movie, really self-contained. I love that it's just him fighting himself most of the time. Yes. That's super interesting. There's not like someone who's trying to destroy the earth that he needs to go kill. It's not about that. But it's still, it's not about him and another person. It's about him, Tim Roth, William Hurt, Liv Tyler. It's about a lot of people still. Yeah. So it would be it, nicer if it was a little cleaner. That's what I think. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I think there were little spots in the movie. I th- I believe I'm using this term correctly, but since you didn't recognize it, I'm not totally certain. But I wish there was the movie. Like, I could see a version of the Hulk. It wouldn't be this movie, and it wouldn't be the for the Marvel uh, universe, but a like body horror Hulk movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's kind of body horror being like, think of John Carpenter's The Thing or something along those lines. Where it's like a man struggling, really does not want to be the Hulk. And when he turns into it, it's like really cool practical effects, really scary. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, when you have the abomination, like he has those spikes in his back and stuff. And if you showcase that sort of thing and hid the monsters more, that would be a movie preferentially I would like more. Now, I understand that's not really what Hulk is. Right. But that, to me, would be a much more interesting take on, right. on the character. Yeah, um, I agree. But so as far as how does this fit in, because this is what our podcast is. What's the next one? Uh, the next movie is Iron Man 2. Okay. But what do we think about how this movie fits into the larger framework? So we can consider the other movies at this point? Yes, I think so. Just looking at it as, as a whole. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I I think especially because he's recast. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I saw I mean, the trivia that the director, I you know, sometimes I, how how true is the trivia? Yeah. But it said that originally the director wanted Mark Ruffalo. But he was unable to do it. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting if it's true. It is interesting if it's true. But I I think because you don't have the same actor, because they don't reference these events and Hulk like uh, Bruce Banner, Hulk. It's ne- they never talk about Betsy Ross again. That's what, yeah, that's what I was wondering about. So I mean, I think really you can just skip this movie for the larger framework, and it has really no consequences because they kind of, if I remember right, uh, in Avengers, there's kind of a whole segment of the movie that's dedicated to basically yep. reintroducing the character. Yep. So which they had to do because it was a new person. Frankly, if they hadn't shot the Tony Stark scene, I don't even know if they would consider this uh, Marvel. Yeah, it's cinematic. the only thing that ties it in. And and in the beginning, they mentioned Stark Industries and yeah, and they mentioned Shield, but those are all like things in the comics. Yeah, so they could have just gotten away with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, by the way, there's a funny thing at the end of the movie. It's kind of a bad joke, but when Tony Stark comes in and he talks to General Ross and he goes, "I see you were." messing around with the super soldier serum and he goes 
yeah, we were. And then Tony Stark says, I prefer to keep mine on ice because Captain America has been frozen for 50 years. Oh, I think you want to know another there. bad joke in this movie is when they're in New York City in a taxi and the taxi driver's driving insane. And Liv oh. Tyler's like, they get out of the car and Liv Tyler's like screaming in his face, just screaming and like cussing him out. And then she like kicks the car as it drives off. And he, what does Edward Norton say? He's, He's like, I have some very useful techniques for managing yeah. your anger that might I was like, you. no, you can't do that. That's so bad. Yeah, that's a dumb joke. There's another really bad joke too. There were, there were a couple of jokes that were just kind of facepalm jokes. Yeah. Yes. And for the viewer at home or listener at home, if you don't know what a facepalm joke is, put your palm in front of your face and then just kind of slam your palm into your head and, and go, ugh, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that we can, it's just best to forget it. Yeah. I, I think as a solo movie, yeah, I think it works fine. It's like a five out of 10, I think. Like it's not offensively bad, but it's not okay. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, but then- It's so okay that it's pretty boring. Yeah. I, and I, I do think I'm giving it a little more credit because I think the first act of the movie is really good. Mm-hmm. I and, agree with that. And if if it if the rest of the movie had kind of continued with that promise, it would have been a much better movie. And and I will I am happy that it was not as unenjoyable as I was expecting it to be. After all yeah. these years and how many people have talked about it and how it's just a forgotten Marvel movie, I I thought that we'd watch it and be like, I know we were kind of rolling our eyes at the end, but I thought we were going to be like Oh, how are we ever gonna finish this movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. No, it didn't get to that point. But I mean, so far, if we were to rank them, this one's the worst of the two movies they've released easily. But uh, yeah, I I think it doesn't really. It, it is kind of nice in a world be- building sense because they do bring in Tony. They do talk about Shield a couple of times. Nick Fury is mentioned. Nick Fury's mentioned, but they don't spend too much time. Um, like trying to set things up, which I liked. They uh-huh. just kind of told this story, uh-huh. and it lives in that world, which is, in my opinion, good wor- world building. Yes. Um. And just never forget that this movie is a super powered adrenaline blast. Yeah. Do you do you remember you opened it with? That, yeah, right? and I'm closing okay. with it. Oh, okay. So we're done. We're closing. What else do you have to say? <laughs> no, that was that was really it. So, um, next week we're doing Iron Man two. So watch along with us. Uh, when we recorded this, it's available on Hulu. It might not be anymore. I don't know. I thought you meant our podcast is available on Hulu. No, no, no. Iron Man 2 is available on Hulu. So if you want to watch that before you listen to us talk about it, uh, you can. Uh, my little preliminaries here. I think I remember loving the movie, but it's often cited as like um, Marvel trying to set up too many things. Okay, and I've never like seen this one. Them kind of trying to figure out how to make their universe. It like starts here. Yeah, really. Um, but I, I think, I think it'll be good because I remember liking it. So we'll see. I might have a totally different opinion when yeah. we watch it. Um, but yeah, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.